We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane over on Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. We've got a lot to talk about. I want to base this show primarily around Lakers trades, which is a big topic. So settle in. We've got a lot of things to get into. This is, and I know a lot of people have been talking Lakers trades for a while. And realistically, we've been talking Lakers trades about this particular team, this specific front office. We've been talking about deals since way back in July, about even in June. When is a trade going to happen? When will it ultimately get done? And so I understand there is some fatigue there from fans who want to see something happen. But what I want to do today is go over kind of a a comprehensive uh, show based around the Lakers trade front and what can happen and how we got here as well. So that's my plan for this show today. This show is going to be put out as a Lakers Nation podcast as well as live stream on AMP. Just trying something else out since we've got the opportunity to put the show out there for people to listen to as I'm actually recording it. I don't put all of our shows out live typically, but this is another option for listeners to come in uh, while we are doing the show. So welcome in to anybody who is joining me live over on the AMP app, which I think is a pretty exciting thing. But nonetheless, before I dive into everything, quick background on just me kind of reintroducing myself and, and all of that. One of the things that is going around a lot right now out there in, in sports media is a lot of hot takes. There's a lot of people out there that are you know ranting and raving and screaming, the Lakers need to do this, or they need to do that, or they owe LeBron this, or they don't owe LeBron that, or, or whatever. Um, and that's a lot of that is done for, for clicks. It's done for attention. It's done for, you know, for entertainment value, right? And that's fine. There's, there's definitely a market for that, but that's not me. In, in terms of my background, I grew up, on this team. Uh, I grew up as a Lakers fan. The earliest memory I have is of watching the Los Angeles Lakers, literally sitting on the couch with my dad watching the Lakers. That's the earliest memory I have as a kid. So my perspective on all of this comes from that. I'm not a national reporter. I do cover the entire NBA on the NBA front office show. But first and foremost, at my heart, I will always be a Lakers fan. They're in the journalism field, there are a lot of people who, when they start to do this professionally, they turn in their fan card. They are no longer a fan of any particular team, and they do that in order to try to eliminate any type of bias. My belief, though, is that that kind of bias still seeps in to your reporting anyway, so I would rather just not hide it. And frankly, just knowing myself personally, I wouldn't be able to hide it that well. 
Uh, I grew up as a fan of the team. Like I said, I've been a, been a fan for way too long. So that's always going to be my perspective it's from the fans perspective of the team, even now that I'm doing this professionally and covering the team that way. So I'm always going to have that type of perspective. You can always trust that that's going to be the lens that I'm looking at it through. I'm not going to hide anything with my analysis. You know, I'm going to view things through purple and gold lenses because that's just who I am and how I go about things. Now, in addition to that, for those of you who know my background already, I spent 13 years as a classroom teacher, as a history teacher specifically. And so when you listen to our shows and you hear the way that I go over things, some people say, well, you sound like you're teaching a class or something like that. That's because of that background there. And I actually think a lot of what I did as a history teacher um, prepared me for this. There's a lot of similarities in terms of how you break down information, how you look at things, how you analyze data, all of that, that actually translates over in addition to just presenting material to the world of sports. So I kind of wanted to start with, with that, just so people understand where I'm coming from in all of this and how I approach things with this team, again, from a fan perspective, but also you're not going to hear a lot of hot takes or anything like that. And when people say, I've had people literally accuse me on the same day that I'm uh, that I'm uh, too supportive of Russell Westbrook and also a Russell Westbrook hater, uh, or I'm supporting LeBron too much. And I'm, uh, and I'm also trying to drive him out of town. And like, I'm going to present multiple sides of every issue because that's my background. That's my training. That's how I've always looked at things is to examine the whole issue rather than just draw a line in the sand and say, no, this is the correct path and that's it. And anything else is ridiculous. And that's there's a place for all of that, but that's not me. That wouldn't be me being honest with all of our viewers, all of our listeners. And so I want people to understand that's my big picture approach to sports media. And that's how I present things. And so you're not going to hear hot takes here. You're not going to hear a lot of that. You're just going to hear, honestly, my opinions, my thoughts. It's going to be hoops, not hot takes. All right. That said, enough about me. Let's get into everything. How did we get here? How did we get to this point for the Los Angeles Lakers? How did we get to the point where the Lakers this glamour franchise in the NBA are now on the outside looking in of the playoffs currently the second year in a row with LeBron James and Anthony Davis on the roster. How did we get to this point? Because I think it's important, again, coming from this history background, you can't know where you're going without knowing where you've been. So important that we understand that. So when we look at this team, even in the short term, they went from being champions in 2020 to now being on the outside looking in of the playoffs. And the team's been playing better lately. I'm optimistic about their ability to make a playoff push. I think the next 10 games or so are going to be extremely important in that endeavor. They're holding on without Anthony Davis right now. The upcoming stretch is really difficult. It's going to be important that they can steal a few wins here and there in order to stay afloat until AD can get back. Hopefully it's going to be about two weeks till we see Anthony Davis back in action before the big road trip. At the end of January, fingers crossed, he'll get back then and the Lakers can then hopefully go on a little run. But the bottom line is this team was set to contend year after year. They had a team that had all the pieces that you're supposed to put alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis, right? It's not it's not rocket science. What do you put alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis historically in order to find success? You want two things. You want guys who can shoot threes and guys who can defend. And the Lakers had that. They have players like Contavious Caldwell-Pope, players like Kyle Kuzma, and of course, Alex Caruso, 
and a number of other players. Danny Green, we can think about him. And then, in short order, they traded them all away. In fact, they made some pretty decent moves after winning the championship. They were voted as the team who made the best moves for winning the championship in 2020. Heading into the 2021 season, the injury bug struck, but that was still a championship-caliber team. That was a team where, if everybody was healthy, that was the team with Marc Gasol and Montrez Harrell and Wes Matthews and Dennis Schroeder, those being the big additions, and you still had Kuzma on that team, LeBron AD, of course. Uh, you had Schroeder taking over at the point guard spot. You had Contavious Caldwell-Pope. So you had all these great pieces that fit on that team, and the injury bug took them out. After that, and this is where... It wound up being one of the worst trades in NBA history. And this is not a shot at Russell Westbrook. This is not a shot at Russ. This is not a shot at anything that he's necessarily doing. I think that he's had a pretty good season for the Lakers trying to be objective. He's not giving you $47 million worth of, produ of production, but compared to what we saw from him last season, I think he's impacting winning. He's impacting winning in a way, and we'll talk about this in a bit, where you're actually going to have to account for losing him if you do put him into a trade. And again, we'll get to that in just a bit. But ultimately, the Lakers made one of the worst trades in NBA history, swapping out Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Kyle Kuzma, Montrezl Harrell, and essentially Alex Caruso. He wasn't technically part of the trade, but they wound up making the decision to not bring back Caruso, in part because of the money that they took on in the Russell Westbrook trade. It still was another huge mistake for the Lakers for a number of different reasons. I don't want to re-litigate litigate the entire Alex Caruso situation, but bottom line is there was no reason for the Lakers to not bring him back. They absolutely should have, even if it was just to flip him in a later trade. The asking price for him was not prohibitively high, so not bringing him back was a massive mistake. But in any event, that really just compounded the Russell Westbrook trade. But the bottom line is that the Lakers themselves in this position by making a trade where they clearly didn't either didn't understand didn't believe what had brought them success and that was having a well-rounded team with depth built around two stars now there's lots of different ways that you can win in the nba there's lots of different models there's of course the big three model the miami heat one with the big three model the celtics one with the big three model um the lakers with their two-star model was put together out of necessity, not because it was what they wanted to put together. No, they did it because Kawhi Leonard said no. The Lakers had hoped to put a trio together of LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Kawhi Leonard. He said no, and so in 2020, 2019, Rob Palenka pulled the trigger on a bunch of other moves, bringing in guys like uh, like Quinn Cook. Danny Green, of course, was a, was a great addition. Uh, Avery Bradley came in. A number of guys that they added eventually was DeMarcus Cousins, who became Dwight Howard after Cousins was lost due to injury in the summer. And the Lakers looked at that model and said, eh, I don't know. I don't think this is really what we need. And it makes in LA, they've had a problem. And that problem has very specifically been, whenever LeBron steps off the floor, everything falls apart. So LeBron, and I'm talking year after year after year, LeBron is in the game. Things are going well. Typically, you're up. LeBron comes out to get a rest because he can't play all 48 minutes, especially not now, 38 years old. LeBron comes out to get a rest. Well, everything falls to pieces. Next thing you know, that whatever it was, six, seven point lead that he had accumulated while he was on the floor. He's off for a few minutes. That lead gets dwindled down. Sometimes it's nothing. Sometimes it's gone completely. 
and the Lakers have lost the lead entirely, and now they're losing the game. Other times it gets dwindled down to just a few points, but they can't hold the lead without LeBron. They can't find success without LeBron James on the floor. And the hope was that if you bring in a third star, if you bring in somebody, specifically you bring in a guard, somebody that's going to handle the ball. So you look at you say, well, AD should be able to keep the team afloat when LeBron's off the floor. Problem is you need a guard that's going to initiate the offense that's going to get the ball to Anthony Davis. That was the hope with Dennis Schroeder was that his scoring was going to be enough to allow the Lakers to take LeBron off the floor and still be okay. Same thing with Montrez Harrell. The hope was that you would be able to get this chemistry, the synergy that you were going to create between the sixth man of the year, the reigning sixth man of the year in Trez, and the runner-up to sixth man in Dennis Schroeder. And that those two, combined with Anthony Davis and the other pieces that you've got, were going to allow the Lakers to finally not fall to pieces whenever LeBron stepped off the floor. And it didn't happen. So the Lakers said, okay, well, we really need, it's not, Dennis Schroeder's not enough, clearly, he turned down the $84 million offer that the Lakers gave him. And yeah, there's some semantics there where he says, oh, that wasn't actually offered all that. There was there was money on the table, right, that he potentially could have taken. He didn't, um, didn't work out for Dennis Schroeder in terms of the financial side of it. But nonetheless, they decided that they needed a third star. They needed to go back to the original concept of we're going to get three stars. And the way they approached it is actually important. The way they approached it is important here in terms of understanding some of the challenges they've got on the trade market right now. So the Lakers, they had a deal done to get Buddy Heal from the Sacramento Kings. It was Kyle Kuzma and Montrez Harrell. I'm talking two summers ago. They had a deal done to get those players. And from the reporting that we've heard, most recently Eric Pincus mentioned this from Bleacher Report, the Lakers had told the Kings, this deal's done, that we're good to go here. And the Lakers were going to get the shooting that they needed. And they also needed shooting in addition to the ability to sustain themselves without LeBron James. And so the Lakers had told the Kings, yeah, we've got a done deal. We just have to wait for Trez to turn in his paperwork to officially pick up his option because Lakers can't trade him until he'd picked up his player option for the next season because he wasn't really under contract. He wasn't the Lakers player. if He hasn't picked up the player option yet. So he needed to turn in the paperwork to pick up the player option. Not a big deal. Not something that should take any length of time, but in that time span between the Lakers saying, Kings, you have a deal. These two players for Buddy Heald, we're going to add that shooting that we didn't have. You had a number of players on the Lakers that season in 2021 who shot incredibly poorly from behind the three-point line, um, particularly in the playoffs. Really strong. Even KCP, Kyle Kuzma, guys who were pretty good three-point shooters. Come playoff time, they fell to pieces, and so getting that three-point shooting was really important for the Lakers. And in that time, the opportunity arose to get Russell Westbrook. The Lakers went, never mind. Sacramento, this isn't done, done, because we haven't turned in the paperwork yet. So we're actually going to go make this trade for Russell Westbrook instead. And they give up a first-round pick, 21st pick in the draft at the time. They give up KCP. They give up Kuzma. They give up Montrezl Harrell. And they bring in Russell Westbrook. And the thought process was a decent one was, hey, get another guy that can run the show when LeBron's off the floor. The problem is, I don't know if you want to pay $47 million for, which is one of the most expensive salaries in the league, for here's our insurance policy for when LeBron's off the floor. That's not what you want to commit that many resources towards. On top of that, you're bypassing the fit concerns between LeBron and Russell Westbrook. Can they even be on the floor together? Both of them are at their best with the ball in their hands. 
Russ in particular is not very effective when he doesn't have the ball. Teams aren't defending him, so he's not creating any spacing. He's not known as a great defender. Look, we've gone over and over and over this stuff in the past. And the Lakers ignored all of that and just said, you know what? Talent wins out. It was a gamble. It was a big gamble. And we said it at the time. This is a huge gamble because the problem is Russ has two years under contract. If this does not work, there's your stock. There's not much you can do. There's, you don't have a lot of flexibility left. You already traded away most of your draft capital in the Anthony Davis trade. So as a result, the Lakers wound up being stuck in the situation they're in now with $47 million of their cap going to Russell Westbrook and him not being a great fit with LeBron James. Again, he's been better this year. This is not me saying blame Russell Westbrook himself. This is in terms of roster building concepts. They made a choice. That was a big, big move, and it blew up. Even the naysayers, even the people who were from day one saying this is never going to work, it was worse than what anyone was predicting. Beyond worse than what I do. I mean, that was last season was a joyless season for the Lakers. We saw a team, but the for the most part, didn't even look like they wanted to be on the floor during certain nights. I mean, you tune into what it was. <laughs> trust me, I I had to watch every single game, and it was not easy. It was not easy at that point. So now, here's this Lakers team. They've had some some success in free agency. And that's not to say everything's been perfect because they're signing a lot of guys to one-year contracts. They're never accumulating bird rights for players because they traded away all the players they had bird rights for in exchange for Russell Westbrook. So you haven't had an opportunity to accumulate bird rights on anybody to keep players and go over the cap. It's why they lost Malik Monk last year to the Sacramento Kings after finding him in free agency. But nonetheless... They've had some success, some success this year. Thomas Bryant, been really good, notably. Dennis Schroeder has done some good things. Welcome back. Dennis Schroeder, by the way, on a veteran minimum deal now. Thomas Bryant, also on a veteran minimum, has had some success for the Lakers. Lonnie Walker, who they used their taxpayer mid-level exception on, he's currently out with an injury, going to be reevaluated in about a week or so, but he's had some bright spot moments for the Lakers. Austin Reeves, their incredible scouting department, finds him undrafted. Don't even have to spend a draft pick on him. And you get Austin Reeves, who's become a key piece to the rotation. So they've had some success in terms of building out a team, but it's clearly still not enough. Even Russell Westbrook has not proven to be up to the task of keeping the Lakers afloat when LeBron James is off the floor. And again, that's, this is not an anti-Russ. I think Russ has done an admirable job this season adapting to coming off the bench. There's questions about whether or not you might even bring him back next year. And we can talk about some of that stuff as we get into it. But the bottom line is. Lakers put themselves in the position that they're in right now. That's adding a little bit of more, a little bit more from fans who know what they had and the decisions that put them in the place that they're in right now, which leads us to the current trade deadline. LeBron James is playing at an MVP caliber level. That's what he's doing right now. Now, is he going to do that night in and night out? No, he didn't play the last game against the Denver Nuggets. He's 38 years old. He's doing things that people at 38 years old shouldn't be able to do. He is doing incredible things on a night-to-night basis. Anthony Davis, not healthy right now, but when he is healthy, wow. We didn't know if we'd ever see the 2020 championship version of Anthony Davis again. The guy that was dominant, the guy that looked like potentially an MVP candidate, and yet here he was. Maybe even better. Maybe we even got a better version of Anthony Davis this season when he was healthy. And so now the Lakers are in a spot where LeBron James wants to contend, 
The West is wide open, right? Everything is super compact. Even with the Lakers, the Lakers right now, if we're looking at the standings, the Lakers are currently sitting in the 12th, 12th seed. That's where they're at. They are two games back of the sixth seed. That's how compact the West is. West is. They're two games back of the sixth seed. That's not a playoff spot. That's a that's I'm sorry, that's not a play-in spot. That's a playoff spot. Think about that. That's not even a play-in position where you have to fight to get your way into the playoffs. That is a playoff position. That's where the Lakers are at right now. They have the opportunity to make a push now. And LeBron's play, Anthony Davis's play, that's put all the more pressure on the front office. Uh, we do have a caller here. Bring them in. Give them a moment to join. Meanwhile, that begs the question, who's to blame with all of this? Who's to blame for the situation that the Lakers are in right now? Is it the front office? Is the front office to blame? Is it LeBron James? Is it Clutch Sports, the agency that's been largely walking hand in hand with the Lakers through this whole process? Well, the front office is ultimately the ones that's making the decisions. I look at this situation and people say, well, it's it's LeBron. And I think it's something that's interesting when we, when we talk about LeBron James, because I remember very vividly covering this team when LeBron signed, we knew, oh boy, okay, this is going to be this is going to be big, right? LeBron and the Lakers, the glamour franchise team that's got the, the biggest fan base in the world, um, you know, uh, all of that. This is going to be a big deal. But at the time, Lakers fans were very split. Lakers fans were very split on whether or not they wanted LeBron in LA. There were a few things that were at play with that, and that was in part it was. Well, LeBron's not Kobe. LeBron's not Kobe. There was a LeBron versus Kobe thing for, and they never met in the finals or anything like that, unfortunately. But there was a who's really the best? Is it LeBron? Is it Kobe? And so many people, because they're Lakers fans, because they bleed purple and gold, just as I do, they were on the Kobe side. And so to suddenly have the guy that you've been arguing against for so many years be in purple and gold, it's a little strange. It's, it's a little bit odd. So there were, it was probably my guess, again, from covering the team, from being very in tune with the fan base at, at that time, it was probably about a 50-50 split between Lakers fans who wanted LeBron to come to LA and Lakers fans who didn't, who were not super thrilled about it. Um, there was also the fear that as LeBron gets older, what he tends to do is he burns through all of a team's assets. And then once he's done that, once he's caused the team to trade away all of their picks uh, and things of that nature, he leaves and he moves on somewhere else where they've got more assets available. I mean, we saw it happen with the Miami Heat and then again with the Cavs um, had with the Cavs the first time as well. That said, he also wins championships along the way. And there's every team would gladly sacrifice draft capital and things like that if it meant winning a championship. So when you are the Lakers and you know that that's what you're going to do. You're going to bring in LeBron James and you're going to uh, add him to this great brand that you've got. Well, you have to do some things in order to make sure that you can uh, play successful basketball. You can find ways to win. You can give him the pieces 
that he needs in order to do that. I do have a caller coming in here. Looks like it is fast forward. Uh, are you there? Hey, how's it going, Trevor? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. Good, good. Just watching the Denver game, wanting those Phoenix Suns to lose. How is that one going? I'm not keeping up on the score. Let me let me see how that one's going. Oh, Denver is is up, yeah. it looks like. Yeah, I like that. Denver's up 72-56 currently. Shoot, go ahead. Um, so once LeBron's done and AD's done, um, who would you like to see in purple and gold as a star? As a star? You know what? My buddy Keith Smith will hate me for saying this. But bring me some Jason Tatum. Can we can we write that wrong from from draft night where the Lakers took Lonzo over right. over Tatum and find a way to bring him? I mean, he's a Kobe guy, right? He did the commercial. Was it a year ago wearing the Kobe jersey and and all of that? If there was some way to get him, if I could pick, if I could pick basically anybody out there to be the next guy for the Lakers. That's probably who I would pick. And again. Celtics fans are, would lose their minds. Keith Smith's probably who hosts the front office show, and he's a Celtics guy with me. Um, he's he's probably angry at me right now, but that would that would be my pick to be the next guy. Would be to find a way to bring Jason Tatum to LA. Pretty solid pick. With what about you? Would that be your pick? Who would who would you want? Uh, it's tough. It's really tough. I would like Jokic. I'm not going to lie to you. I really would. He is definitely a good one. And I mean, obviously great two-time reigning MVP. I want like the Lakers have this history of great bigs, right? The great centers over the years, Kareem. And I'm even going all the way back to George Mikan, but Shaq and Wilt and on and on. Right. I mean, even look at like what Powell did for the Lakers. They've got all these great big men over the year, big men over the years. I mean, that would, that would also be a fantastic get if you could figure out some way to do it. Just have one more, and then I'll let you go. Sure. Um, who do you think the Lakers can re-sign this offseason from Dennis Schroeder, or Thomas Bryant, um, Austin Reeves, and Lonnie Walker? Which would you like to see come back if they can't retain all of them? Yeah, so that's a great question, and that's something that um, a lot of that is going to depend on what they do here at the trade deadline. And that's going to, de- going to determine whether or not they have to act as an above the cap team or below the cap. Like right now they've got, they'll probably have about 30 ish million dollars to spend, assuming they, you know, release their rights on Russell Westbrook and, and players like that. And so then the question becomes, what do you do with that $30 million? You can go, you can use it to hang on to Reeves and Thomas Bryan. And like, realistically, when you start doing the math, Assuming Lonnie Walker gets a raise, assuming Dennis Schroeder is not a minimum player, assuming Thomas Bryant's not a minimum player, Austin Reeves, I've already heard, is getting a raise. Like he's already got buzz from other teams out there that are looking at him. Lakers do have protections in place that can keep him, but they're going to have to spend some money to do it. So ultimately, somebody's going to be left out, even if they have cap space. I don't think they can keep they keep everybody. And even if they could, if you burn all your cap space just keeping those guys. You're really just bringing back the same team as this year. And I don't know that that's really what the Lakers want to do. So my priority, if I'm the Lakers for right now, it would be, I would be prioritizing Austin Reeves and Thomas Bryant. I'm really interested in seeing what Thomas Bryant can be next to Anthony Davis. He's played so well. I think his, his recent stretch has been at a higher level than anything we've seen 
from Lonnie Walker, even Dennis Schroeder, who's been fantastic lately. And I'm really intrigued by what a potential Thomas Bryant, Anthony Davis pairing could be, because that could be that could be your big man combo for the next five years, potentially. Uh, again, this is a small sample size right now with Thomas Bryant, so I'm not locked into it or anything, but I think he's been good enough to where I want to get a good look at that if I'm the Lakers. And if it works, that's the way I'm prioritizing it. It's Austin Reeves and Thomas Bryant, and then everybody else would fall into line behind those two. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, same. Um, I would say, honestly, if you can, trade Lonnie. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of Laker fans won't agree with that, but he hasn't been on the court in a while, and they honestly haven't missed him as much as I thought they would. Yeah. You can get a pretty good player with that, with Lonnie and that trade talk. Be pretty good. I, yeah, I do want to keep Thomas just because LeBron also said, yeah, I'm envisioning myself with Thomas, AD, and I on the court. Yeah, that's a that's a great point too with Lonnie is that you have to look at it as what if it's the Malik Monk situation all over again where right. he's going to get a bigger offer than what the Lakers can afford and you're going to watch him walk away for nothing. Uh, he's been good. His play slowed down a little bit recently, but you're right. If the right deal is out there, I think they have to listen on Lonnie Walker. Um, the challenge is he's only on a one-year deal, no bird rights, so opposing teams are going to take that into account too. That they have to have cap space in order to keep him around unless they want to dip into like a mid-level exception or even another, another taxpayer exception. So that's going to be something that will lower his value a little bit. But ultimately, yeah, if they feel like they're going to lose him, they 100% should uh, should do that. But appreciate you coming on here. I, uh, thanks. Great questions. Thank you. Appreciate it, Trevor. All right. Have a good one. I do have one other coming on here. And we'll see if we can get him coming in. In just a moment, but while we're waiting on that, um, is the front office ultimately to blame? A lot of people say it's LeBron. I talked a little bit about the dynamic with LeBron James and how Lakers fans, and to some degree, still had a little bit of um, mistrust, maybe for for LeBron. But I do have that other caller coming in. Is it uh, Daffy D? Welcome in. Yeah, hey, hey, thanks for inviting me on. No problem. Thanks for thanks for coming on. What do you want to talk about? Man, so um, I know this trace that is driving probably everybody insane. It's like, you know, what can the Lakers get? You know, what, what's on the table? Mm -hmm. What are you know? What are the offers even being thrown out? Um, I just kind of wanted to go through a couple that kind 
kind of ran through my head and just maybe get your thoughts on maybe what your favorite is or what you think is realistic or not realistic. Sure. Fire away. Um, so yeah. So first one, um, you know, obviously, uh, uh, predicated on how Raptors are going to do what they decide. But mm-hmm. I mean, I think if you could throw for two first and get OG, I think that's a home run. Oh, I'm like, with you. OG Ananobi. I love it. Guys. Um, same thing. Uh, if you could get throw first at them and get Gary Trent and Chris Boucher, I think that's that would do wonders too. You know, what I mean, with his shooting and just his, his his ability to come around screens and knock those shots down, um, I think he'd be a great fit. Um, I also think if somehow you could swing uh, a first for Jacopo uh, and uh, Josh Richardson or McDermott, yeah, I think that those those two pieces they're not flashy, but I don't know if we need flashing. You know, we just need guys that come in and do their job and play hard and then hit the last one and then I'll let you uh tell me your thoughts. Is mm-hmm. uh, obviously Detroit, Detroit's going crazy with their asking price for bogey, but if they came down a little bit, if you could somehow swing for Bogdanovich and get Ali Burke coming back too, I think both those two uh would just fit perfectly with this roster. Yeah. So let me let me get stuck. All right. Well, thank you. I appreciate you coming on. I'm gonna address all of those. Um Let's so let's let's take those one at a time. Um, when we're looking at this, looking at the Lakers, their potential trade options, and I'm going to get even further into this in a bit. But I like the ideas that he's got there. Like notice what he was adding in, right? It was wing players mostly, right? Mostly talking about wing players. Even in the the Spurs deal that he talked about, adding in Josh Richardson, that's what the Lakers need, right? They need wings. Easier said than done because pretty much every team out there is looking for wings. But nonetheless, the Lakers. They need wings, so you're going after a guy like a Gary Trent Jr. from Toronto. If you can get him for a little bit cheaper price than OG Ananobi, and there's going to be a bidding war for OG if the Raptors really do put him out there on the market, but if you can get a Gary Trent Jr. who's been a Laker killer in the past, he'd be a great fit. OG would be fantastic. I'm in agreement. If you could give, if you're telling me it's going to take both the first-round picks, 2027 and 2029, to get OG Ananobi, and you can do that, sign me up. I'm doing it. I think he's fantastic. He'd be exactly what the Lakers need on the wing i would like that one that's there's not a lot of moves out there where i, I would take a non-star level player a single player and trade both of the first round picks for him but og is one of those players in most cases if it's going to be both picks i'm wanting to get multiple players back miles turner and buddy healed being a good example of that but i do really like that combo um or that that player you can get an og and an ob if I don't even know if that's going to be enough. I really think there's going to be a bidding more for him if the Raptors do ultimately decide to blow things up, which we're going to talk about that in a bit as well, the market dynamic and what the Lakers are dealing with on that front because that's complicating things beyond just their history and how they got to this point. Uh, the San Antonio Spurs thing, if you can get Jakob Pertle, I'm a big fan of his. I think he's underrated. I think that he would be a nice fit potentially next to Anthony Davis. I don't know if you have to spend a lot of assets though to get a big based on the way Thomas Bryant has been playing. And so far we've heard the asking price is high. We're talking one first round pick plus maybe two to get Pirtle. And then if it's a deal with Russell Westbrook, they're going to want even more. That's another issue that we need to talk about in a bit, but teams are still demanding that the Lakers give up assets just for trading away. Russell Westbrook, not for getting anything back just for trading him away, which I think is ridiculous. And again, I'm going to view things through purple and gold lenses, but I think teams are right now trying to fleece the Lakers, and that's one way they're doing that by demanding a fortune just for moving Russell Westbrook off the roster, even though the Lakers have already paid 
decent chunk of his salary over the course of the year, and he's an expiring contract. Teams are still trying to use the Lakers' perceived desperation against them. So I liked all of those trade scenarios that he threw out there. I like that they, they're targeting wings primarily, adding up, adding in a big like Jakob Pertl. The question becomes, what's the ultimate cost? Bogdanovich, if you can get him and Alec Burks, great. That, those are some great fits. But again, what's the cost? And my big thing with the Lakers this year on the trade front, it's if you're going to give up long-term assets, I'm talking about the 2027, 2029 first-round picks, you're going to give up those types of assets. What you want to do, ideally, this is much easier said than done, but what you want to do ideally is you want to get players back who are young enough to still be factors when those picks come due, or at the very least, are young enough to where if you want to do a rebuild at some point, you can flip them and get value coming back. That's the challenge with a player like a Bogdanovich. Let's say you give up an unprotected first round pick and you get Bogdanovich and Alec Burks. You're not, and I'm not saying value wise, that's terrible. Bogdanovich has been great. He'd be a fantastic fit with the Lakers right now, but he'll be 34 by the time the playoffs come around. You're not going to be able to flip him for anything down the road. So unless you're sure that this year, next year, you're going to be contending for a championship. I don't know if you want to give up those future assets to get them. Now, if you want to do some kind of a package deal, maybe you get like a Sadiq Bay coming back and you can kind of check that box somewhere else. And Bogdanovich is one piece that's coming back and you're getting back some younger players too to give you that future flexibility, even if it's just to keep the players long-term or it's to flip them in the future and recoup some draft capital, then I'm interested. Otherwise, I'm a little bit concerned with Bogdanovich with giving up too much and knowing that you're probably not going to be able to get much more back out of him uh, in the future. But great fit. great Probably out of everybody out there, he could be the best just pure fit in terms of basketball, but you got to keep an eye on the future as well. So again, ultimately, and I do have another guest that's going to be coming on in just a moment. Ultimately, the question is, is the front office to blame for the current situation the Lakers are in? I mostly say yes. Uh, that's not to say everybody else is blameless. LeBron, uh, the coaching staff, every like Anthony Davis, Clutch Sports. There's plenty of blame to go around everywhere for the Lakers. But ultimately, it's the front office that has to make the decisions, that has to pull the trigger. People say, well, LeBron wanted Russell Westbrook. All right, he might have. But the Lakers have said no to LeBron many times in the past. So the front office is the entity, if it's Rob Palenka, that's charged with making these decisions. Ultimately, it rolls up under Jeannie Buss. They made the decision to bring in Russell Westbrook. They could have told LeBron, no, we like the Buddy Heald deal. We're going to stick with that. They could have done that. They didn't, even if LeBron was pushing for Russ. And from what I've heard, there were some in the Lakers organization that were concerned about uh, a Russell Westbrook trade. They were concerned about what could ultimately happen and why it wouldn't be a great fit and, and kind of basically where we wound up right now. But ultimately, the Lakers, the front office, believed that superstars win. And that's been kind of the MO of the franchise for a long time. And so it's not a surprise that ultimately they did they did that, that deal, but now they're going to have to dig their way back out. Now, do the Lakers owe LeBron? Do they owe it to LeBron to trade? I've heard this uh, being bandied around a ton. Do the Lakers owe a trade to LeBron James? I don't think I want to look at it through those terms. I don't think that's how I see this, as they owe it to LeBron James. I don't know if you owe it to him personally. See, here's the thing. Like, LeBron, he signed the contract extension. Um, he's committed to the Lakers. He's done, he's done some great things, 
right? Won a championship for the Lakers. You don't want to say you're, you're doing wrong by that player. But LeBron knew what he was signing up for. He knew the current situation the Lakers were in when he signed that contract extension. Now, this changes very much if the Lakers said, LeBron, we promise we're going to move these picks this year and we will get you the help you need this year. If that's the case, then that changes everything, right? If, that, if that's the case, then yeah, because you, you told the guy. You told the guy that you were going to do that stuff. But Rob Palenka has said publicly that they would do everything they could to be stewards of, of LeBron's final days in his career and, and all of that. And who knows? LeBron might, might play for another seven years, right? Never know with that guy. But ultimately, I don't think the Lakers necessarily owe a trade to LeBron specifically. I think they owe it to the fans. I think they owe it to basketball. They owe it to the basketball gods to pull off a trade that lets this team get into the playoffs because how how terrible would it be for LeBron James, maybe the GOAT, at at worst, he's what top two all-time, two years of not making it to the playoffs. That's not so much about owing it to LeBron. It's about owing it to the sport to figure out a way to get this done, to not be the organization that couldn't win with LeBron and Anthony Davis. That's what they owe a trade to. That concept, the fans who stuck through a miserable season last year, they owe it to them to find a trade, which is going to bring us to the trade market ultimately. I do have a caller that's attempting to come in here. We'll see if they can uh, can make it. But the current trade market, what's going on? Now that we know where we've been, the current situation, I think it's on the front office to figure this out. The trade market, where it's at, we've got a guest coming in. We'll pause for a moment there, and we'll talk a bit about the trade market dynamics. Uh, hello. Thanks for joining me. Hey, Trev. Thanks for letting me on. No problem. No problem. What do you want to talk about? So I'm a LeBron. Okay. Say about saying that, um, but I'm gonna give you a different point of view because I've been a LeBron fan for a while now, and the whole uh, conversation about whose fault is it or LeBron leaving teams with no assets and just mm-hmm. burying them, you know, deep below. I think what people tend to miss is is ever since LeBron went to Miami, right? He had that ten year stretch of making it to the finals, making it to the finals. When you have a player like LeBron almost feel that it's necessary to do everything you can to to compete for a championship. And if that means going through your assets to, to, until there's nothing left, that's what you do. And with him leaving, going from Miami back to Cleveland, it wasn't just he left and they had nothing left. It was Dwayne, Dwayne's knee was gone, Chris was showing his age, and it was time to go back home. Obviously, he went back to Cleveland. He wanted to finish there. The whole issue with Kyrie came up. Kyrie wanted to be traded. They could never replace Kyrie. And the cover was dry there. There was nothing left. For, and nobody wanted to go to Cleveland. He tried to get players there. Nobody wanted to go to Cleveland. That's how he ended up in L.A. And now that he's here, you know, he left all of that. And a lot of people are thinking, oh, well, he left those two franchises dry, yada, yada, yada. But when, it's just when you have him and now with the Lakers, they have him and A.D., it's almost like, yeah, you, you should be doing everything in your power while you have these two because they're generational talents and they've shown that they can win an NBA championship. 
to build a contender. And I never understood like the the like whose fault it is. It's it's a combination, I'm sure, because that summer of twenty one, I believe, when they when they traded for us, they him and A D that is tried to have conversations with guys like Damian Lillard mm-hmm. and other guys to get them to come and they just didn't want to. I feel like they did want a third star, A D and LeBron, but they, they went through other guys before getting to Russ and Russ was the last choice and they ended up with Russ. And of course it you know we we are where we are, but um that, that's kind of where I, I think most people that are I guess quote unquote Jacob LeBron fans <laughs> uh are with that. It's not really that he is he sucks franchises drives that when they when a when a franchise has a player like him, they're like, We gotta do everything we can, especially like with Cleveland, because they had never won a championship. I know in LA it's totally different. He got a ton of championships. Mm-hmm. Um but I just think that's the, the thought behind it, or it should be. Yeah, and ultimately I, I agree with you. I don't think I think that's the criticism of him that's been out there, and that was the fear from some Lakers fans when LeBron came to L.A. is what what is he going to leave behind when he's gone? Or are they going to have to sacrifice all of their assets to appease LeBron? And then when he leaves, it's going to be five years of darkness as the team tries to battle their way back with because they've given up all of their picks and, and all of that. Is that the, the future that they're looking for? But there were also a lot of fans who were on board with that and really excited. And I ultimately think, well – I look big picture. It's not necessarily about do we owe a trade to LeBron. It's do we owe a trade to to basketball to give to get LeBron to the the playoffs. I mean, you look at my concern is is this, and and you can tell me as a LeBron guy if you feel the same way. So, having seen what LeBron is doing this year, it's insane. Like it's it is mind blowing. It's e- it's almost easy to watch it and just kind of accept it is what it is and and not stop and take a moment and understand how unfathomable it is that you have a guy that's doing what he's doing at 38. But with, with that being the case, I'm concerned. Well, how much is he going to be able to take? How, if he has to do all this heavy lifting right now, are we going to be, is he going to get to the playoffs and we're going to be robbed of playoff LeBron because he's burning so much energy right now and putting on such a display right now to keep the Lakers in the mix. And I start to get vibes of Kobe pre Achilles. That season played out in a very similar way where Kobe had to step up and do a lot to drag that team along and ultimately gets hurt a few games before the playoffs. That's my fear with LeBron. And that's another reason why I think ultimately they owe it to basketball to make a trade and get this generational great player into the playoffs and give him an opportunity to put on the kind of performance and it, and give him an opportunity to get there with something still left in the tank. Right. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I, like I said, I've been watching him for years and years, and I remember when he was 30 and people thought he was going to slow down, and I watched him play 45 minutes a game and like feel like every game, like they just killed him with the heat. Because it, it, I remember when you were talking about earlier how um, when LeBron leaves the court, it just goes downhill. I'm here to tell you, it's really been like that for most of his career. True. With every, I know he played with Dwayne Wade and, and, and Chris Bosh and, and even with Kyrie, but if you go back and watch those games or watch those teams, when he sat down, it was the same thing. I have no idea why it's always been that way. I don't know if it's his level of play is that high. That's about that. I have no idea, but 
I've never had that fear because he's never shown that, but obviously he's at that age that you have to think about that. Um, and I, I think about other guys that late 30s and, and they played, they had a much smaller role, like a Tim Duncan, um, and they didn't have to do all of this. And it is kind of like a scary thought, you know? He's been Mr. Iron Man for so long, we, he's never had one of those knock on wood. Uh, he's never had one of those crazy injuries that keep him out, you know, for, you know, uh, No problem. Thank you. Thank you for giving us that, that perspective. I appreciate it. All right. So I, I liked what Woody had to say there um, about playoff caliber players, getting those kinds of guys in, in order to really help facilitate success come playoff time for LeBron. Cause he's, he's right. I mean, look, we've seen good things out of Thomas Bryant this year. Do we know what he's going to do in the playoffs? No, we've seen good things out of Austin Reeves all year. He's never been in the playoffs. Right, I mean, Dennis Schroeder's playoff performance last time with the Lakers was not great. Uh, he was not great against Phoenix. Now he was he was recovering from COVID at the time, but still, it wasn't great. So, you know, AD has been there. AD's won a championship, but you don't have those other guys that are battle tested. So maybe that's a factor too, and that could put you more towards like a Boyan Bogdanovich trade, who tends to step it up uh, for the playoffs. I've seen a number of Jazz fans who've been saying, look. This guy, he's not a good defender during the regular season, but when it's time to really turn it on come playoff time, he does. Um, again, that doesn't supersede the age concerns or anything like that, but maybe that is a, a big factor for the, the Lakers should consider when they're looking at different trades. It's uh, what are these guys going to do, not just to get us to the playoffs, but also are they going to be able to help us come playoff time? So I do have a few other callers that we'll bring in as we're getting through things, but um Right now, I've got up as my topic what uh, the trade market. Where are we at currently? And the problem with the trade market is there's a lot of buyers and not a lot of sellers. That creates a really tough environment for the Lakers to get into. And I'm going to go in depth into that in just a moment. But I've got a new caller coming in here. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Can you hear me, Trev? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, thanks for letting me on. Uh, So kind of just... You know, a perfect segue into the trade talks because uh, you know, I'm obviously I've said on the, the shows before I'm a LeBron fan, so you know I want to see mm-hmm. the team obviously get better so he can compete. 
uh, but I think something that gets lost on a lot of people is kind of looking forward in the next season and the Lakers cap space situation. Yeah. Uh, it's and when it comes to trading for players, we have to take into account that some of these guys we have right now, the chances of keeping them, you know, especially guys like uh, Thomas Bryant, the better he performs, the chances of keeping him, being able to pay him at the same time that we're trading for a guy like Bojan, who's going to be making like twenty mil, et cetera. We're just like we're not going to have the money to keep these guys who we don't have bird rights, et cetera. Like I know. Reeves, we have early birds. He's a going to be restricted free agent. Mm-hmm. Some other guys, but another a key person who I wanted to throw at you uh, potentially that Lakers could look to move because you know he's young. Some of these younger teams could be looking for him, and I really don't see a lot of scenarios where Lakers could have the cap to re-sign him if they do a significant trade. Is Lonnie Walker because uh. He played well at the start of the season, but they've gone on this last run without him, and they've looked solid without him. And I think that what he provides can be replaced by a lot of other players. The fit with him is questionable because his lack of shooting. So if they were to make it to the playoffs, I wonder how many minutes he can really play um, given his shooting and defense. Um, so what are your thoughts on potentially dealing him to a team like, I don't know, the Pistons or even the Pacers or a team looking for younger guys, the Hornets, uh, that could actually potentially use him and could he have value there and on top of his salary being around six mil? Yeah, I think that's that's a great point because the Lakers, you're right, the Lakers don't have that many players that are in that like that $6 million range, right? Those contracts that you kind of need to stack up. Um, even better if you can get like like Pat's contract, Pat Beverly's contract, thirteen million. You need those types of of contracts. Part of the reason why we were so frustrated that they didn't bring Alex Caruso back because even worst case, you would have had that eight million dollars salary to throw into a trade. Um, they haven't had a lot of those to stack up. So even if it is just to use him in a deal, that six million dollars can go a long way. I think really, I think you're right. Ultimately, if I'm the Lakers, I'm prioritizing keeping other players ahead of Lonnie Walker. Trade. Um, is available. It's something that you have to consider. I think the hope is if you are able to keep Lonnie Walker, the way you would do it is with his non-bird rights, which would allow you to pay him something like seven million ish. Somewhere that's just off the top of my head, so don't. It's not an exact number, but somewhere in that range. And you'd have to basically say, look, you know, you may have an offer out there for eight or nine million or something like that. But if you take this, we're going to have your early bird rights next year because that'll be two years with with us, and then we'll take care of you. Or, hey, you know what? We're going to give you a, a player option for a second year here. If you want to go uh, stay three years, then we'll have f- full bird rights for you, and we can do whatever we want, and we can take care of you that way. That requires a lot of trust, though, between the player and the organization. So that's not that's not necessarily an easy thing to do. I think that's the path to keeping Lonnie, especially if you make a trade that causes you to operate as an above the cap team. Like you go get, let's say you go get Bojan Bogdanovich and Kyle Kuzma somehow. And then you, and you pull something like that off. And next thing you know, you don't have cap space to play with. You could potentially keep Lonnie Walker going above the cap using his, his non bird rights. But again, we would be in a Malik Monk situation where if a team comes along and says, Hey, Lonnie, we'll give you 10 million. Okay. Then he's gone. Right? And there's, there's nothing you can do. So ultimately, yeah, I think you're right. I think that if the right move comes available and Lonnie's got to be a casualty of that, well, 
if, if you're getting a piece that you know is going to be there long term and there's uncertainty with Lonnie Walker, you have to consider it if you're the Lakers. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Um, I think maybe front office might view it differently just because he's, you know, he's a young guy and mm-hmm. a roster full of, you know, a rather old roster, even though they still try to make it a bit younger. So I could see the potential there for just his age alone, them kind of maybe prioritizing trying to keep him going forward. Yeah, I mean, he's in theory, right? He's his age and his athleticism and all that. Like he's got, I'm not saying you, you just, dump the guy or anything like that. Like he, if there's a path to keeping him, if he says, Hey, I'll play ball and you want to use non bird rights to hang on to me and let's go. You guys, you guys believed in me. I don't think that other offer is going to be out there. I'll stick with you. Great. I mean, he's, he's the right age. He's got, he's athletic. Um, we can say maybe we wish he, he shot the three a little bit better and things like that, but he's a, he's a real talent that they were able to get um, a guy that I wasn't high on when they picked him up over the summer. I know a lot of people weren't, uh, but he's proven a lot of people wrong. He's been a pretty pretty solid addition for this team. And so if there's a path to keeping him, great. But I think there's real challenges there, like you've been been saying. So you got to consider him as a potential player to move if uh, if he doesn't. But um, uh, anything else that you want to add before, before we move on? Nope, uh, that's it. Thanks for letting me on, Trevor. Awesome. Hey, thanks for coming on. I appreciate you uh, tuning in on all, on, uh, all of our shows. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, so the trade market currently, um, there's a lot of, and we are going to bring in some more callers in just a moment. There, Right now, there's a lot of teams that are in buy mode. A lot of teams see how compact the Western Conference is, particularly if you look at the East as well, um, and they say, you know what, we've got a shot. And this is in some ways a byproduct of the play-in tournament. Right now, now if you're the 10 seed, you're going, well, hey, we're still in the playoffs. Years ago, the 10 seed is thinking, Eh, I don't know if we can really make a push here. Maybe we should be looking at trading away players. And certainly if you're 11th, if you're 12th, you're not hanging on to players. Um, Now, though, with the play-in tournament, less teams are getting into sell mode. They're not trading away players because they've got a shot. They've got a chance to get into the playoffs. And let's face it, as much as we want to say everybody wants to be competitive, playoff revenue matters too. Getting at least a few extra home games in, even if you're a first-round exit, that's money coming in as well. Plus, you get to say, hey, we're a playoff team, we're on the rise, things of that nature. It matters to teams, right? As much as fans want to say, well, I hope we tank and I hope we get a a really high pick. Obviously, that's not the case for the Lakers because their draft pick situation. But you do see that from a lot of fans out there. From the team perspective, you know what? Having the home revenue come in from a playoff series, that's not a bad thing in addition to being able to kind of sell winning to your fans. So, When you look at the trade market right now, the challenge for the Lakers and everybody who is trying to go out there and add talent, I think it's pretty clear the Lakers are going to try to add talent. It's that there's not many teams that are selling. The teams that are in position to sell right now are the Rockets, the Spurs, the Hornets, the Pistons. That's about it. The the magic should be in the mix. The way this market 
is going to really swing is if teams like the Wizards, the Raptors, the Bulls, all Eastern Conference teams, if they make the decision we're not good enough to make a push this year. Now, the Bulls have been winning games. They're 5-5 five and five in their last 10. Maybe that's not a decision they make. The, the Wizards are 6-4 and four in their last 10. The uh, the Raptors, 5-5 five and five in their last 10. So all of these teams have reasons to kind of like just barely hang on right now. Hold on to hope and see if maybe they can stay into that mix. What the Lakers and what a lot of the teams out in the market that are trying to buy need, they need those three teams to pivot and say, you know what? We don't have it this year. OG Ananobi's on the market. Gary Trent Jr. is on the market, right? Uh, DeMar DeRozan might be on the market. Zach Levine, Nikola Vucevic, uh, Kyle Kuzma, right? Like on and on. You need those teams to put players onto the market because the asking price for the Pistons on Boyan Bogdanovich is super high. The asking price from the Spurs on Jakob Pertl, it's super high. The asking price for Eric Gordon, for crying out loud, on the Houston Rockets, it's super high. And the reason, it all goes back to economics class. It's supply and demand. There's not a lot of players that are out there on the market right now because of the play-in tournament and because of how compact the standings are in the West. Remember, I said the Lakers are only two games out of a playoff spot, the sixth seed right now, even though they're sitting in 12th in the Western Conference at the moment. So with that being the case, the supply of players that are out there on the market to be traded away very small. The number of teams that want to be buyers on the market is big. Again, part of that is the Western Conference. You've got all the the Jazz, the Warriors, the Suns, the Clippers, the Kings. All of these teams are looking at how compact the West is and also the fact that there's no dominant power in the Western Conference. They're saying, you know what? We've got a shot here. We have a chance to really do something here. We've got a chance to move up in the standings. If we can just make a move, if we can add X, Y, and Z, if we can add these things, a lot of teams, unfortunately for the Lakers, that thing or those things that they want to add, it's shooting and wing players. The two things the Lakers are also trying to add. So that dynamic on the trade market has to be mentioned. Yes, the Lakers front front office wants to make a trade. Yes, they want to add firepower to this team. Yes, they, they owe it to basketball to get LeBron to the playoffs and let him do the things that he does there. And same thing for Anthony Davis. They owe it to the sport to right the wrong of trading for Russell Westbrook and blowing up a championship caliber team and robbing us of potentially some great moments with incredible players in the playoffs. But the market that they're faced with is a very, very difficult one. And if they get this wrong, they got the Russ trade wrong. And it's one of the worst trades in, in NBA history. It's not the worst. Look, there's a guy named Ted Stepien exists. He's the reason why the Lakers got James Worthy. There have been some really bad trades in NBA history. And once again, that's not a commentary on Russell Westbrook or his play. But in terms of what it meant for this team, it was devastating. If they get this next move wrong, there may be no coming back for a long, long time. So they have to get this next move right. And in a very difficult market to do that, again, the Pistons right now are demanding an unprotected future first for soon-to-be 34-year-old Boyan Bogdanovich. He'd be a great fit. And maybe you can argue that he's worth that value. But if you don't win this year or next year with him, what do you have? Not much. That pick comes back in 2027 and Bogdanovich is long gone. That's a tough spot to be in. That's a tough decision to make for the Lakers front office. And again, I'm not saying that 
to try to create sympathy for the Lakers front office. They did this to themselves. They put themselves in this situation. That's what's played out here. They've done this to themselves. Even if you want to put a little blame on LeBron, you want to put a little blame on Clutch, you want to put blame on the injury bug, you want to blame COVID, you want to blame whatever. It, there's plenty of blame to go around. And there's plenty of blame that should fall in a lot of different places. But ultimately, ultimately, it's the decision of the front office to make or not make. And now they're in a spot where they have to undo what they did already. They have to find a way to reassemble. I don't even know if it has to be a championship contending team. LeBron just wants to be in the mix. Get me on that stage and let the chips fall where they may. And again, like I said to the caller just a bit ago, the challenge is what does LeBron have to do to get there right now? What does he have to burn through energy-wise to get there right now? 38 years old. I'll tell you, like, I'm getting up there in years, and I, I feel it. I feel it. I have no idea how LeBron is doing the things that he's doing. And I don't know what his energy level is going to be if he keeps having to do this, and that puts more pressure and more urgency on the Lakers to get something done, to find a way in a market that is not going to be very forgiving for buyers. Now, maybe that's going to change as time goes by, but ultimately, I've, got, I've seen so many fans who are saying, just screaming to the heavens, do something. And ultimately, yeah, I think you need to do something. The Lakers need to do something. They need to make some sort of a move. They're putting out there that they're totally willing to walk away from trade negotiations if teams are trying to fleece them. They should. They should be willing to, to walk away. That's their only card that they can play here. Because teams know they need to do something and they're going to try to fleece them in trades. And the Lakers have to convince them that they're willing to walk away. But ultimately, it's on the front office, my one of my favorite phrases, to adapt and overcome. To adapt to the market that's in front of them, to take the challenges that they're faced with and find a way to get the job done regardless. Not going to be easy. So who do the Lakers have? What can they actually trade away? Right? We've talked a little bit about Lonnie Walker. But in terms of salaries, who can they trade away? Well, Russell Westbrook is one to consider, right? $47 million. You can bring back a lot of contracts for $47 million. $47 million in expiring contracts. By the way, I've seen this argument a lot going around that the Lakers have a lot of money, over $70 million in expiring contracts if you stack them all up. Russell Westbrook, Kendrick Nunn, Lonnie Walker, Patrick Beverly, right? I mean, you just on and on. You start adding up all these contracts. They've got a lot. They've got a lot of money in expiring contracts. They're not going to have all of that in cap space. So in terms of buying power, in terms of how much salary you can actually take back in, potentially, if you just wait until the summer, you might actually sacrifice some flexibility. Now, obviously, what you're getting back in your trades with that all of that expiring cap space certainly matters there. If you're taking back long-term contracts, that's bad money just to say that you turned that all that expiring money into something. Well, that's not worth it. You'd rather have your $30 million or so in cap space and be able to go do something this summer than take on a bunch of bad deals or deals that don't really fit. So that certainly matters, but it's also a fair point that ultimately, yeah, you can you can do more trading away your expiring contracts in terms of the amount of money you're bringing in than what you're faced with this summer potentially, which is taking a team that it consists of LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Max Christie, and then building out the rest of your roster. That's your team. 
Damian Jones picks up his player option. So add him into the mix. Damian Jones, Max Christie, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis. That's your Lakers starting point for next year. You got $30 million. Go build a team. Good luck. That's not a lot of money to spend to put together an entire team. That's a big challenge for the Lakers. And you say, well, let's keep, let's keep Thomas Bryant. Let's keep Austin Reeves. Let's keep, and absolutely you should. You should do everything you can to try to keep those guys. But that's going to eat up a lot of your spending power anyway. So now you're talking about, well, we brought back last year's team. The team that wasn't, didn't have quite enough firepower. Right? And maybe they ultimately will. Maybe, look, this team's played better. I like the energy around them. Maybe this this team, even as is, AD comes back and is healthy, could make a playoff push without a trade. That could happen. That could happen. Probably they wind up being a play-in team if that winds up being the path they go down. And maybe you can get there that way. Maybe. But, again, is this the team you want to look at and say, long-term, this is our team. This is who we think is going to get LeBron year after year to the playoffs. And we're going to let him be magical when he gets there. And same thing with Anthony Davis. These are the guys that we think are going to help get these guys to the playoffs. I don't think so. A few pieces could be. A few players could be part of that. Like, look what Austin's done. Thomas Bryant has done, right? We've talked about some of these players over the course of the show. But ultimately, you're going to need... Some more firepower. How do you get that? It's going to cost you just to retain these guys. So if you know that you're going to be in a tough spot just retaining these players, well, why don't you move some of them? Shouldn't you be willing to part with them in the right deal? And that's the key. It's got to be the right deal. It's got to be the right deal for the Lakers. But back to my point, Russell Westbrook, tradable, $47 million that you can do a lot with that, even if it was just Russ. The problem, the problem is from everything we've heard from multiple reporters, is that the rest of the NBA is doing everything they can to try to not allow the Lakers to trade Russell Westbrook. How are they doing that? Well, by giving the Lakers and Russell Westbrook zero credit for the season that they've had. The Lakers, when they opted not to trade Russell Westbrook over the summer, took the gamble that Darvin Ham, their big offseason addition, was going to find a way to get better basketball out of Russell Westbrook than Frank Vogel did. Mission accomplished, right? So far this season, Russell Westbrook has bought into coming off the bench and overall has been a more impactful player. Now, his shooting percentages are still bad. There's still flaws to be concerned about. He's put in the effort on the defensive end of the floor. And I think his passing has been particularly impressive. His passing has been so good, in fact, that if you were to trade away Russell Westbrook, you have to account for that. You have to find a way to account for that. You look at the relationship that he's got with the bigs. You look at how often he finds Wenyan Gabriel in the post for easy buckets, how often he finds Thomas Bryant, how often he was finding Anthony Davis. Those are looks that may just completely go away if Russell Westbrook is traded and you don't get a similar quality playmaker back. So I think that skill set is something that, while, again, he's not a perfect fit with LeBron James, it is something that the team will miss. You almost need to find a way to bring in, like, if you trade Russell Westbrook, you need like a Rajon Rondo-esque player. I'm not saying Rondo specifically, but that type of player to set up some of these bigs who have been good for the Lakers. 
But ultimately, if you're the Lakers and you're saying, hey, Russ's passing has been good enough. And you know what? Like a previous caller said, maybe Russ isn't the guy for us come playoff time. Maybe he's not the guy that's going to really help us win games, the guy that we think is going to help us win championships or anything like that. That's possible. Um, But even if that's the case, if other teams are going to make it painful now to trade him away, as though the Lakers are in the same position they were in last summer, where they had a negative value Russ on the floor, a Russ who was not providing what they needed out there on the court. There wasn't that positive. All you had to focus on was the shooting and the decision-making and all of that. Russ has been better this season. If teams are going to make you pay as though you are still that team that is wondering whether or not you even, even want to put them on the floor, why are you going to trade them then? Right? If, if the perceived value of Russell Westbrook is not the same as what his actual value is to your team, then why trade him? Unless somehow there's like a three-team deal where a third team is going to be willing to give up value that you wouldn't necessarily see there and make up the difference. That's a tall ask. How do you get a deal done? How do you get a deal? Let's say you call up San Antonio and you say, hey, uh, Spurs, look, you know, we'd like to do Russell Westbrook for Jakob Pertle and Josh Richardson. Let's let's do that. And San Antonio says, okay, cool. Uh, Well, you owe us a first for Russell Westbrook. Putting him on our roster means we get a first round pick and we want two firsts for Jakob Pertle. So you don't have enough. And if you're the Lakers, you go, wait, 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 wait. So you're telling me, you're telling me that we would have to give up both of our 20, our 2027 and our 2029 first round pick to get some solid role players in, in Yaka Pirtle and Josh Richardson because you're charging us an extra first round pick just for Russell Westbrook, just for the, for having to put Russell Westbrook on your roster. That shuts down a lot of trades. From the Lakers' perspective, that shouldn't cost what the Spurs are going to ask for. That shouldn't cost what the Hornets might ask for, right? That's a challenge for this Lakers front office when they're looking at Russell Westbrook trades, and he's the biggest salary they've got. The biggest salary they've got, which means if you're looking to make a big move, it's his salary you're putting in the deal most likely. You want to talk to Mar DeRozan and Nikola Vucevic. You want to talk uh, Zach Levine. You want to talk Bradley Beal, and I don't think they should. I don't think they should be in that business right now of we need to chase a third star because we're the Lakers, because we've always chased superstars. I think you go back and you look at what won you a championship in 2020, the depth, the role players, everybody buying into their jobs. That's the path. But the Lakers, it's in their DNA to chase stars. And if you want to chase a star, the way you get there is with that Russell Westbrook contract right now. But if teams are making you pay just to move that off your books, I don't know how tra- how realistic it is to trade Russell Westbrook because the Lakers do not see him the same way other teams do. But he's not the only one, right? He's not the only player they've got. You have a $13 million expiring salary in Patrick Beverly, which could be useful in trades. Now, I'll also say Pat is a guy who in November looked terrible. Since then, since we got into December, He's looked like the guy the Lakers thought they were getting when they traded Taylor Horton Tucker to get him. He's played good defense and he's occasionally knocked in some threes at a decently high clip. That's all you can ask for. 
that's what you got Patrick Beverly to be, to be a three and D guard. Now, I still think too often they're asking him to defend wings, but much like Russell Westbrook, where if you trade him away, you have to account for what you're losing. Now you have to account for what you're losing in Patrick Beverly. And the Lakers have, they're overloaded with guards. They've got too many of them. So I'm not saying you can't, but it's a factor. Pat, Pat Bev is not a non-factor or negative on the floor anymore. And I am inclined to believe that what we're seeing out of Patrick Beverly right now is sustainable because what we're seeing out of Patrick Beverly right now is who he's historically been as a player. Guy who plays defense well and a guy who can occasionally knock in a three for you. That's what you're asking from him. And I think he can continue doing that. And so that's something that you have to factor in when you're looking at potentially trading him. But nonetheless, if a move comes along, let's say it's Boyan Bogdanovich, 20 million. Well, Patrick Beverly's got to be in the deal, especially if it's not a rust trade. And then you're stacking up another salary. And that's where we look at Alani Walker, $6.5 million that you can put in, into a deal. And Kendrick Dunn at 5.2, almost $5.3 million. Now, Kendrick had a really nice game the other night, had a blow-up performance. I called him Kendrick Fun because he finally got everything going and it was a blast watching him absolutely go nuts. Um, Lonnie was really good to start the season. His role shifted a bit on the team. And he didn't really have that same zip to him. Um, the same the scoring ability went down noticeably. So that's what the Lakers have to work with. That doesn't sound like much, does it? I named off four players. Russell Westbrook, Patrick Beverly, Lonnie Walker, Kendrick Nunn. Why did I only name four players? Because every other player on the Lakers is a veteran minimum. Now, there's guys who might have some value, right? Thomas Bryant. I'm sure some teams would want to trade for him, but again, no bird rights. So teams would have to factor that. And if you're an over the cap team, you know, your chances of keeping Thomas Bryant might be slim. If you, if you don't have bird rights on him, depending on what offers are out there for him, uh, Austin, Austin Reeves certainly would have some value, but he's also one of the few players that you actually have a pretty good shot of retaining because of some protections that are built in. He was an undrafted player. You've got, it's called the Gilbert arenas rules that would help the Lakers keep him in a tough situation. Um, Dennis Schroeder could have some value, but if Russell Westbrook's on the trade, but you need to keep another point guard and he's played well for them. Uh, they've needed his scoring. So that's been important for them as well. Damian Jones would be an easy veteran minimum throw in, but they gave him a player option for next year. Not that it's the worst thing on a veteran minimum deal. Like it's not that big of a deal. He's making 2.3 million this year, 2.6 million next year, which by everyday person standards is astronomical money. But by NBA standards, it's a, it's a, a small contract. So even if he picks up his player option, which I'm imagining he will, he wouldn't be that difficult to move or, or waive or, or whatever. But nonetheless, he's got a player option for another year. And he hasn't been able to crack the rotation for a Lakers team that needs bigs. That's not a good sign on the trade front. So I can't imagine a team taking him on without asking for at least a little something in return or being eager to trade for him. Uh, Wenyan Gabriel, again, you'll actually have some rights on, on hanging on to him. So that's a good thing there. And you probably want to keep him. Then you get down to Juan Toscano Anderson, Troy Brown Jr. Again, all these one-year contracts. Max Christie probably has some value. But the Lakers scouting department has done a phenomenal job for years. You look at all the players they've found. Pizza Zubats, Jordan Clarkson, Taylor Horton Tucker, right? Who's He's still finding his way. But Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart. Hell, Thomas Bryant, they, they have found 
player after player. And that's a short list I've named. There's many more. They've found all of these players late in the draft, and a lot of them have panned out. There have been a few who haven't. There have been the, the Anthony Browns of the world and, and players like that. Even Mo Wagner, who's still sticking in the NBA, isn't you know a substantial NBA talent necessarily. Not in, He's playing for Orlando, at least, with, with his brother. But uh, Mo, for the most part, the Lakers have done a tremendous job with the scouting department, with their drafts. And Max Christie was their guy this year, the guy that they moved up to get, bought a pick in order to go get Max Christie. And he's looking like the 3 and D style player that they've been looking for. Now, at 19, I don't think he can be expected to contribute immediately, but he's the kind of guy who two, three years from now could perfectly fill the wing role that the Lakers need so badly. They need wings. So I don't think he's a guy that you want to just toss into a trade as a throw-in. So who can the Lakers trade? Who do they have to actually move? Well, it's not easy. They don't have a lot of contracts that they can just toss in and move. They also don't have a lot of guys that other teams are clamoring to get. So what assets do they have to potentially move? Well, we're talking first-round picks. 2027 and 2029, that's the main lure that they have to get another team to trade with them, to give them players that can help them right now. And if they move both of those because of the Stepien rule, while people overstate how draft pick poor the Lakers are, they have a pick swap this year with the Pelicans. Next year or the year after, they will give the Pelicans a pick. One pick out of the next two years after this. Pelicans will either take 2024 or 2025. That's it. The end. The Lakers have all the rest of their first round picks. They even have an extra second round pick this year, I believe from Chicago. So the Lakers are not as draft pick poor as people make them out to be. What they are, what they are poor on is tradable picks because of the Stepien rule. I talked about the guy earlier that wound up making so many terrible trades, gave the Lakers James Worthy essentially uh, by giving them the, the pick that became the number one pick in the draft. Um, because of the Stepien rule, the Lakers are in a situation where they can only move 2027 and 2029. And once they do that, again, because the Stepien rule, their options to make future moves are very, very slim. So they got to make sure they get it right. They got to make sure they, they get the job done and they do their due diligence and they find a way to get pieces that they think are really going to push them to the next level. If not, if not, they have to stop at just one pick. If you're going to go get, let's say you want Boyan Bogdanovich and Sadiq Bey. Great combo, by the way. I would would be a great pairing for the Lakers to get. Check a lot of boxes there. But let's say you do that. But the Pistons want both picks. Are you convinced that you don't have to make any other moves? No. Those guys are good fits. But no, you probably have to make other moves. So you can't do it. Because you're going to need that other pick. Now, if something wants to come along, where both picks equals we're good. That's it. This is our team. We're set. Give us the basketball. Let's roll it out there and let's go. Okay. Off and running. Then you give up both picks and you can argue Buddy Heald and Miles Turner were that. Lakers reportedly have the opportunity to potentially trade for those two guys right before media day. Russell Westbrook, those picks, Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. You know, Rick Fox, took to, I believe it was on Twitter the other day, and said, where would the Lakers be right now if they had those two players? Hindsight's 2020. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
I mean, if you had Miles Turner filling in for Anthony Davis right now, that would certainly be helpful. Even with Thomas Bryant's ascension, that would still be a heck of a pairing. Imagine the Lakers' big man rotation. Turner, Bryant, AD, ultimately. I mean, it's not quite you know, Lamar, Powell, and Andrew Bynum when he was at his, his best. It's not, you know, but I mean, with AD, I guess maybe you could argue it even is. AD and, and you've got Miles Turner in there and yeah, be similar in some ways. Like that wouldn't be a bad big man rotation. And even with that trade, you could say, well, they're not really filling their need of finding wings. This team is short on wings for sure. And short is the right word. They're undersized most nights, but by getting a big in Miles Turner, that slides Anthony Davis to the four more often, slides LeBron James to the three more often. And while you still need that skill set that a true three and D wing could bring you, you're at least sliding players up a position and therefore you're eating into some of those wing minutes with your best players, with LeBron, with AD. And so you're still addressing the problem to some degree. So that's something else that you have to that you have to factor in. When we're looking at who the Lakers can can trade away, it's what could they go get? And can they give up both of those picks? The only way they can do it is if they think that move puts them in the driver's seat to really make that push, and they don't need to do anything else. Uh, I do have a caller coming in. We'll see. They come in in just a moment. I have a couple more topics to get into here before we call it a show here. Oh, there we go. Looks like they made it in. Hello, how you doing? Looks like it's quizotic. Are you there? Nope. All right. Well, try again in just a bit. So, finishing up, what are the Lakers looking for? What is it that they need? The Lakers need to find wings. They need to find three-point shooting. They need to do that while not getting fleeced in a trade, ideally. It's what happened in the, the Russell Westbrook trade, and unfortunately, the Lakers now have a history of probably giving up a little bit too much in trades. And I, look, I don't even want to mention the Anthony Davis thing. They won a championship in part because they traded for Anthony Davis. The sense of the time was Lakers probably gave up a little bit too much in that trade, but whatever, you won a championship. But you look a lot of, uh, at a lot of moves that they made. The Lakers tend to be the team kind of throwing in a little bit extra um, and not just in trades, but in free agency too. They're they're signing a lot of guys to very player friendly deals. You know, not not getting Lonnie Walker to take a little bit less than the taxpayer mid level, so that they, they could give Max Christie a three year deal instead of a two year deal. Right? Um, they made that mistake with Austin Reeves. They made that mistake with Taylor Horton Tucker. That's causing them to have to pay guys earlier. So the situation with Reeves for this summer could have been avoided. Have you given him a three year deal instead of? a two-year deal. And now here you are where you've got to pay him. Happened with THT. You had to pay THT early. You wound up giving him a, a pretty big contract that didn't work out. You wind up trading him away for a 34-year-old Patrick Beverly, who's been just fine, but that's not what they envisioned when they got Taylor Horton Tucker. So this organization has a reputation now of being the team that gives up maybe a little bit too much, both in trade negotiations and in free agency. So you've got to overcome that too. Plus you've got the market dynamic that's incredibly difficult where there's a lot of sellers. I'm sorry, there's a lot of buyers and not a lot of sellers. Plus you've got the anti-Laker bias, which we know is out there. There's owners who don't like the Lakers because they've got a history of success. Look, 
There's a ton of fans who hate the Lakers just because the Lakers have beat their team so many times. That's a thing to overcome too. You've got some front offices that won't like Rob Palenka because they dealt with him when he was an agent. There's a lot. There's a lot that the Lakers are having to fight against in order to get a deal done. And again, none of this is by any means letting the front office off the hook. They still need to find a way to adapt and overcome to get the job done and add in the pieces that the Lakers need. But I want to finish with this. I put a poll up on Twitter the other day at Trevor underscore lane and said, Lakers fans, if the Lakers two options in a trade are number one, you complete a deal that adds a piece, but the Lakers are largely seen as having overpaid. They got fleeced or number two, the Lakers do nothing. The vote was 58% for get fleeced. Now, obviously to a degree, right? There's varying degrees to this. If I told you that the Lakers were giving up to, uh, you know, an unprotected first round pick, Patrick Beverly, Kendrick Nunn, and Max Christie to get Eric Gordon from the Houston Rockets. That's getting fleeced on a different level than, hey, you know, we gave up rather than a top five or top 10 protected first round pick getting Boyan Bogdanovich. We had to bend and give uh, a top three protected pick or something like that, right? There's different versions of, hey, we kind of lost the trade in terms of, of value, right? So that's where Lakers fans are. They're saying, look, even if you have to lose a trade a little bit, get something done, help this team. And look, that's fans. Nobody wants to watch their team be bad. And we tend to, just human beings, we tend to want to put things off, right? Like, hey, if we give up one of these picks, at least it's going to fix things right now. And the future, well, we can deal with the future later. A lot of people think that way on stuff and you know, postpone things and whatever. That dynamic is something the Lakers have to be wary of as well, right? How are you going to interact with these other teams? And are you going to be able to get something where even if you lose the trade, is it only a little bit or do you get just completely fleeced because fans seem to say, look, let's get something done here. And I don't think they're wrong. I don't think they're wrong to want the Lakers to do a deal. And we've talked about a number of different players that could be available. The big question though, is how is the market going to change over the next few weeks as we get closer to the trade deadline? Because that's ultimately going to determine whether or not the right move is there for the Lakers. So far, they're putting out that, hey, look, LeBron needs to win. AD needs to win. We owe it to our fans to win. We owe it to the basketball gods to get LeBron James into the playoffs. All of that's true. But by God, if you come in here, Toronto, Charlotte, San Antonio, Detroit, Utah, whoever it is that's trying to trade with us. If you come in here and you tell us that you are going to fleece us in a deal, well, well, we are going to walk away. We're going to walk away from the trade. Now, will people buy it? Will they believe that that's really what the Lakers will do? We'll wait and see. But that's the threat right now that the Lakers have out there. It's the card that they have to play. It's we will walk and we will go through this season with the current roster as is and believe that this roster as is can at least get it get us into the playoffs. That's what they will present. Whether or not they believe it. Most think they need to do something. 
You need to add some wings. You need to add some three-point shooting. You need to figure out some way to get a deal done. But we're going to find out over the next three, four weeks here what Rob Palenka, what the Lakers front office really made of. Some of it is out of their hands in terms of the market dynamic, in terms of the way they're interacting with other teams, supply and demand, all of those factors. But they're going to have to be resourceful and figure out a way to get something done. There's a lot that I didn't talk about. The show's gone on for an hour and a half now. There's still a lot that I didn't get to. And that's what's amazing about the Lakers right now. This trade situation with them, it is so incredibly complex. And that's why as much as, as people say, oh my gosh, there's Lakers fatigue and, and all this stuff. And you know we're, we're tired of talking about the Lakers. Look at the situation they're in with an all-time great, with an incredible potentially MVP caliber player in Anthony Davis. And with the asterisk when he's healthy with that qualifier. And then you look at the crazy dynamics around the market and everything, all the pressure coming from so many different places, so many different ways to look at the situation the Lakers are currently in. It's absolutely fascinating and incredibly, incredibly complex. So that's why I wanted to dedicate an entire show to the Lakers, their trade situation. Of course, this doesn't mean that next time we won't talk about Lakers trades or anything like that. You know that's coming, but felt like we need to take this show and really flesh out everything that's going on with the Lakers heading into the February 9th trade deadline. I want to thank those of you who joined me live on AMP. Um, this was uh, a lot of fun uh, and uh, and appreciate it. Appreciate everybody who came on as, as callers and, and all of that as well. And everybody who is watching the video version of this over on YouTube or listening to the Lakers Nation podcast, please make sure you are subscribing to the LakersNation.com podcast over on Apple and Spotify. And of course, subscribing to our YouTube channel as well. We will do this again soon uh, on AMP as well as, of course, putting out our content elsewhere, YouTube, podcast feeds, all of that sort of stuff. Till next time, everybody. See ya, and stay safe. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.